Well, hello and welcome to the Leverage 3 Podcast. I'm Craig Shoemaker, and this is where we talk to high performers that bring you three tactics that you can leverage to impact your business and your life. Today, we're talking to John Brosio. John is a fount of knowledge and experience when it comes to being a digital content creator. And I can tell you from experience, is super generous with his time. John, thanks for joining me today. Very uh, kind words, um, but the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, man, I don't even know where to start. You've had like an incredible journey when it comes to like a past life and and where you are now. And kind of one of the things I wanted to do to kick this show off was to to highlight what that might look like as someone is starting something new, wants to build something new, and and sort of really just change the trajectory of their life. And so. Can you kind of take us back to the days when maybe you were more occupied by waiting tables than building stuff online? Absolutely. So the Genesis story, I guess, if you will. <laughs> um, so really, it starts in about 2014, 2015. And I was working a desk job. It was kind of like my first big boy job out of college, um, undergrad, and I was in sales and I was working for a place that was just post startup, um, which was cool because I had a lot of freedom to bring ideas to the table within my team. Um, I could operate um, my roles, tasks, and responsibilities in a way that suited my own style. Fast forward a little bit, we were purchased by outside investors and everything became just, you have to do it this way so we can measure it and then sell the company again down the road. So that um, ended up in me having a an amicable but uh, unexpected exit from that company, and I started waiting tables. Um, and I wanted to jump in to kind of like um, fine dining, high service. I did like a lot of tasting menu stuff, and I was working. So this is now in 2017. I was working at a place um, in West Hollywood, Los Angeles. And it was Saturday, it was January 20th, um, 2017. And we had just had our, it, it was about four months we were working at the place. We had just had our best uh, night to date uh. in terms of like overall revenue, guest count, whatever. And Joe Rogan comes in and we like what? comped his meal. And um, we were, we had drinks bought for us by our manager. It was probably like midnight. Joe Rogan, since we comped his meal, gave me two, two, uh, two $100 bills, excuse me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to spend this. I was like in my mid twenties. And right. Um, so I was like, I'm not going to spend this. And then I wake up at about eight o'clock in the morning to about 20 missed calls. And there were like 40 text messages. And I'm like, what the, mm. and as I start to like, see the restaurant that I was working at burned down that night, probably while we were in the actual building um, what the kind of like a uh, fire department said was there was a spark in the electrical fitting in the roof and the place burned down. Oh my gosh. That place was wild. It was West Hollywood. I think the owners, I knew how the, I was running kind of like their wine inventory and they weren't crossing their T's and dotting their I's. And I think it was like an insurance scam. I'm not even trying to exaggerate on the story and make it better than it was. Like this place was poorly, poorly run. Wow. So anyway, I go on, um, uh, unemployment and life is just in a weird spot. And 
I like when I was working in the restaurants, I was smoking cigarettes. I was drinking almost every night. Um, I was just living an unhealthy life and I didn't really see it. You know, you hear stories about people like they don't know they're unhealthy until after the fact. That age but, is tough too. I mean, you feel yeah. like you're invincible. Mm-hmm. And so I just, that moment or that morning, excuse me, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to write online. I have all the time in the world. Um, so what I did was I bought like hosting via Wix. Um, my first ever website was called where's the fidelity.com. You can still check it out. Um, it still exists. I pay for it every year just as a reminder. Um, cause it's crap. It's a terrible, <laughs> like my content sucks. I'm all over the place. But what I decided was, um, I'm going to write for 30 days, no matter what. Building a business is tough and even tougher when you do it alone. So why not use proven systems to help grow your business and focus your message? Now, Dan Coe is the creator's creator. His system found in the two-hour writer helps you cultivate your best ideas. And the Modern Mastery community is there to challenge and support your growth every step of the way. I'm there and you should be too. So go to leverage3podcast.com slash co, that's K-O-E. Let's get you going. And so 30 days became like 60 days. Hmm. And you know how... When you undertake something new, um, the more you do it, you know nothing about it. And the learning curve is kind of very like steep. You learn a lot of things really quickly, but the more you do it, like blind spots are uncovered. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is in the 30 days, like I was just getting more and more interested in this world. And I was introduced <clears throat> to Quora.com in about mid um, 2017, maybe the spring of 2017. And I started writing there. And in about three months, this was kind of like my first like aha moment. In the first three months, I had written a post that went in that time was pretty viral. Um, for me in 24 hours went off for 300,000 views. Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay. Uh, it was a story about some advice my father gave me. And I okay. thought, okay, well, I might be on to, to something here. And I just kept following those, those cookie crumbs. And 90 days later, I had amassed over a million views worth of my content on this platform. And I thought like, okay, um, there, might be, there might be something here. There might be. <laughs> yeah, because like, that was a cool feeling. You know, I, I'll never forget it. I was in a... Uh, Silver Lake, which is a neighborhood in LA mm -hmm. um, where I used to do my work. And uh, I remember opening up Quora and seeing 300,000 views in 24 hours. And I kept, <laughs> I kept refreshing my email because I'm like, oh, the book, like the book publishing, um, the book deal <laughs> is here. And I, no joke, I was like, I had to stand up. I grabbed like, and I kept refreshing my email and nothing came. Right. Like no one cares in the world of like digital content. Like, cool. You had like something to kind of well like no right. one but there was still this paradigm shift of like okay that happened what else is possible and that opened up the door i found medium.com which is where i built my first audience i have multiple millions of views on that content or that platform now um and so it's kind of a weird genesis story where i didn't really have a plan and looking back i don't recommend that um, cause like serendipitously, like it worked out for me, but I know there's thousands of other stories where it doesn't. 
Um, now we can go into the reasons, the variables that I think it worked out for me and that's stuff that you can replicate. But um, yeah, this all kind of happened without a plan and I've been following the cookie trail ever since. Well, I, I definitely want to dive into that. Absolutely. But I, I think the other point that I want to make too is, you know, obviously you have a PhD in, in literature and you have tons of, of uh, experience writing all of these, you know, published things. I mean, of course, none of that is true. Like you built your own path in order to do this. And, and the reason that you and I know each other now is because the, the content that you put out is so strong and is so well-crafted and is so compelling that, uh, I just, I think it's incredible the way you've been able to get from there to here. And so, yeah, I would love to dive in like how, how you started at that point, uh, and, and made it to where you are. Well, again, I like that's sometimes it's hard for me to take a compliment. So thank you. That's really nice of you to say, but, um, I, I think, you know, kind of like blowing this up a little bit more. I think I was very lucky that I had looking at me dead in the eyes, this life that sure. When I was 24 years old was, was amazing, right? Like going in, um, working in high level food and wine, getting amazing guests. Like when I was really working in restaurants was in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I would serve like the physics department at MIT. And it was just really fun to be around that, that vibe. And then I started to get older and I thought, well, I never want to own my own restaurant. I've seen families fall apart <laughs> from chefs and, and owners yet. Yeah, like that's, you know, part of the deal. Um, and I didn't, I kept reflecting on, well, what was my life like when I was working that desk job? And it didn't really fit in where I saw my future going. So I had this, to me, it was like this, this future looking at me dead in the eyes. And it was like, you don't have any other option. Like you're going to keep following this fo- or this cookie trail, um, cookie crumbs, because what are the alternatives? The alternatives are beating your body up, ruining any type of like family life that you maybe want in the future working, you know, um, as a sommelier or as a server the rest of your life. It's going back into a, a, a job where you were miserable because I was still unhealthy when I was working that desk job in my mid 20s. And, and so I had this like, you don't have another option. And whether that's like actually blown up that much, I don't know. But that was at least the narrative I was telling myself. Right. Um, so it caused me to work like, again, I don't want to go back to that life. And right. not to say, like, I still have stresses every single month. Like I have revenue goals that I set for myself. I have certain exposure goals that I, I set for myself. I'm, I'm very goal writing down goals and setting crazy goals, even though I, I generally never meet them, but it's like, okay, maybe I went farther than if it was a boring goal. Right. right. Um, and so it was like, you know, what, what's the alternative? The alternative is worse stress, you know, a worse future. Um, so so, so we're, we're talking to, to John, what, three, five years ago. And what did he do on the, on those first mornings? Like what was different? So you started writing and you, you said, yep. you've said your writing was rough to begin with and everybody has to start somewhere. Was it, uh, did you take courses? Did you, um, you know, just study what other people were putting out there? 
How did you do it? So in the very beginning, the very beginning, so we're saying like day one to day 60, um, I didn't study anyone. I sacrificed a lot of my social life, um, even for like going out at night. I'd be like, no, tomorrow morning I have to write. Like I told myself, um, it was literally writing um, what was on my mind. So some ideas that are coming or some memories that are coming um, on this website, where's the fidelity.com is I was living in this, um, this apartment complex that had a, cause it was in LA, downtown LA and it had a hot tub, a community hot tub. And I had met a district attorney that was living in my building was in the hot tub talking about some of the cases that she had been working on. Um, and I wrote about my kind of reaction to that. I went and got a haircut one day and I realized that my barber at the time was also a picker, you know, like a, he would go to swap meets, he would find things, oh, okay. he would freshen them up and resell them. I told him, I was like, I have a thousand dollars, I'm on unemployment, but I'll go with you. He kind of dodged me after I like tried calling him and stuff, but I wrote about that conversation because I was like, I just want to commit to a goal, stick to it regardless of the outcome. I'm big into output over outcome. Mm. Um, but then I started like, once I got on well, content let me, platforms- Let me stop you there for a second. Sure. What, do, what do you mean that? But output over outcome, that, that seems a little counterintuitive to what most people say. Yeah, I think when you're starting from a place of, like jobs will give you, um, just speaking from my own personal experience, um, whether it's in the restaurant industry or whether it was at the desk job I was working at, they have certain goals, whether it's like total MRR, you know, when I was in mm -hmm. the startup world or um, goals, I guess, in the restaurant industry are um, like at one place I was working, it was, it was wine oriented. They wanted okay. me to, to drink and study certain wine and then give them presentations to our team. Hmm. Um, I didn't have when I was, and even today sometimes, <laughs> but I didn't have like, I want to make $5,000 a month by doing this daily, selling this um, to like reach that goal. To me, it was simply, what can I do output wise? What task can I do every single day that'll at least start training this muscle? Mm -hmm. um, because if I didn't reach whatever goal I had set out, and again, I'm only going to speak from personal experience, though I do think it resonates with some people. You, when you don't reach that goal and you're just in the beginning of something, that kind of can crush you. It can crush your confidence a little bit, right? Like, oh, I'm a terrible writer because I didn't uh, ever produce anything for a million views. Um, I didn't right. gain 10,000 followers. Like, I'm a failure. And then that's the label that, that you put on yourself. Whereas I think when you focus on output, I'm just going to write for 30 days, no matter what the content is. Right. A, it's easier. And B, I think it builds confidence when you uphold it. Um, so I'm just kind of big into that. Like that, like in the micro, the output builds you something else and it uncovers those blind spots that I mentioned earlier. So do you think there's a distinction between the season that you're in? So would you say that this is more effective as you're beginning or are you saying like, it kind of doesn't matter where you're at. This is really something that you need to focus on. I think it's more effective in the beginning. I think no matter where you're at, it's still something to keep in mind. Um, like even today, today, since I have 
like four or five years of knowledge that, um, again, when I was like, what's the alternative? I'm going to teach myself this stuff. I'm going to teach myself email marketing. I'm going to teach myself audience building. I'm going to, you know, learn about that. Now that I have a solid foundation, I'm setting revenue goals. I'm setting, um, like in January 1st, I said, I'm going to straddle because I'd built this audience on medium.com years prior. I'm going to straddle both Twitter and um, LinkedIn for all of Q1. I'm going to straddle both of them. I'm going to follow the data, see which one starts to pick up faster. And then Q2 and beyond, I'm going to just double down on that. Twitter ended up winning. My goal was by January or December 31st, 50,000 follower audience. And that was it. I'm not going to reach that goal. I'll probably be 35,000, somewhere maybe close to 40. Um, but I had to set that goal. Now that I know where I want to go with this. But when I was just starting out, I didn't know where I wanted to go. Like, right. I thought I wanted the book deal. I thought I wanted to be a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> and I thought, well, I got to learn how to write to do that. So I'm just right. going to write every single day. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's the, the first two months, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're not studying anyone. You're just, you're taking your life experience. So you're putting it out there. Mm-hmm. At, at some point it, it starts to turn a corner though, to where you, you decide, you know, I, I'm maybe not going to journal as much versus I'm going to educate. Mm-hmm. So how did you hone those skills? So I thought, I, I don't think the platform as, is as valuable as it is now, but I think it was a blessing for me to find Quora back in about 2017. Not for the, um, like, I felt like Quora was a tool that helped me figure out markets and it helped me with writing prompts to um, kind of infiltrate those markets. And what I mean by this, if you're unfamiliar with Quora, it is a word that stands for question or answer. So Q-U, question. I never knew that. O-R. Yeah, yeah. That's what Quora stands for. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's, it's pretty much Yahoo Answers, but on steroids. Um, All right. And what it is, is it's, I think, like... 300 million um, active monthly users either asking questions or answering them. And in the very beginning, when I found this platform, I think I found it like, um, so my strategy for this original Wix um, WordPress website was I was just going to post my articles on Instagram, which is a terrible, terrible marketing strategy. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, my mom liked the posts and then like the random person that I hadn't talked to from high school liked the posts, right. you know, yeah. uh, who was not nail. my market. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and I think I like published something on um, Facebook too at the time. And then I saw from my old college professor, um, he published something on Quora and he was an amazing mentor. He's like me, like um, he does things you know, uh, someone says, um, jump, you just say like, no, I'm going to skip or something. You know, it's a stupid ego thing, I guess, but, um, he's amazing. And so he introduced me to the platform kind of serendipitously. Um, and I saw, I was like, oh, this question has been read by 1 million people in the last 30 days. Whereas this question on a different topic has been read by 10,000 people in the last 30 days, that's saying something about the topic in terms of market viability, 
This is an interesting topic that people want the answer to and they want to talk about. And so I just started to segment the platform in terms of things that I thought, whether it's books I read, whether I did a lot of wine questions, because I know a decent amount about wine, um, and started to pick up on, again, not publishing into the void of just my thoughts, but publishing for an audience, mm. which is a, a big hurdle I think a lot of people need to kind of overcome when they want to venture into the content world, whatever type of content that, that is, podcast, video, writing, um, what have you. So that was a kind of like a free um, boot camp or like MBA of learning how to target my content towards what an audience is already looking for. And the prompts, the questions on that platform helped me do it. Well, um, I, I think it's a, a stroke of genius to, to, I think you can find a lot of people today, particularly on Twitter, that give this advice of, of how to approach this same approach that you did today, right? So you use Tweemex to go and find the, mm -hmm you know, people's highest performing tweets and, and all of this. But back at that time to, to kind of realize that that was, that, that must've made all the difference in the world for you to be able to move towards a market minded, uh, approach rather than, you know, like you're saying, just your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like, did you because realize I, that was a, a, a kind of revolutionary thing or were you just kind of like, Hey, if there's a lot of people talking about this, I'll talk about it too. I mean, I didn't think of it as like a revolutionary thing. I thought of it kind of like as this aha, um, like maybe I'm on to something. Because hmm. um, maybe it's like, I don't know if it's because I grew up Catholic or what, but I always like automatically want to discount what I do in life and like <laughs> make it not as maybe cool as someone else might believe it to be. It's this thing I got to work through. I don't know. Um, but I at least thought like, I get so, like, I think part of the reason, <clears throat> excuse me, that I enjoy what I do so much is I see all of this like a puzzle and I'm figuring it out um, as we go along. Like, I don't think that I'm that good of a writer. I think I have a way with words, but there's some like, like writers out there that are writers. I think that I'm like a puzzle solver mm -hmm. and I get jacked up when I see something like, oh, um, I can test out this hypothesis. Questions on Quora that have a, a million views in the last 30 months, I can write an article um, and then change up a few bits of content in a similar question that only is getting 20% of traffic, reasonably assume that the one with just the higher amount of people looking at it is gonna get more traffic. And then when that hypothesis like rings true, I get jacked up on that right. more so than the actual content that I wrote. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So well, you, you proved your point, right? And the strategy worked. And mm -hmm. I would imagine what's important to you isn't writing that one piece of content. It's, it's finding the system that you can repeat and do it over and over and over again. Yeah. That to me is like, A, it's more fun. Um, and again, there's like, true writers out there that are going to disagree with me. And I'm not going to say either of us is right or wrong. Um, right. And they like, I've, I've been able to rub shoulders with some amazing writers, especially on medium who they let their content do the talking more than following the data. 
Um, and that isn't to say I'm not suggesting people only follow what's like market viable and write about stuff that they don't care about at all. Mm -hmm. I love what I write about. Right. I just don't think in terms of like the actual grasp of English that it can go toe to toe with some of the storytelling that people do and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But, well, and I don't think you have to either because mm -hmm. the, a lot of times there, there's so many different types of writing. Mm -hmm. When you, when you're looking at the, those micro markets, if, if you want to call them, uh, did you ever think to yourself, well, I, I, if I create a piece of content that is in concert with this thing that seems to be doing well, like I don't have a chance of being noticed. Like every, all the attention is going over here. Can you repeat that? So I, I guess I'm trying to, I'm thinking like in terms of uh, SEO, right? So you, mm -hmm. you have, you put in a search term into the uh, search engine and the top three websites that come back, those are the ones that are going to get all the traffic, right? So mm. Your website that you, I guess you're doing it on Medium, so you have a, a lot of uh, domain authority that you're mm -hmm. borrowing rather than doing it on your own website. But, you know, how, what sort of mindset did you go through to think like, okay, well, if everybody's already going to Quora, why would they go to my Medium uh, article? Got it. So that was actually a pretty big shift too in my, um, and I get emails still all the time on my email list. Um is I have come to grips and I guess um, am at peace with there are readers that might be mutually exclusive to the platform that they're on. I'm not going to try and get them to move to another platform. I'm just going to put my fishing pole in this different sea. Um, and when it comes to SEO, I'm probably the last digital writer you should ask questions about. <laughs> Seriously, like I get questions all the time in my email and I say my whole education, what I want to help you out with, um, I'm never going to mention that word because, and, and I get a lot of traffic on my website. I have two other websites now outside of Where's the Fidelity um, that are kind of like my storefront, um, if you will. I don't worry about SEO at all. I've never taken a single course. I've never read really an article about it. My strategy is you're on this platform. I'm going to give you an invitation, which is like a call to action CTA and uh, article footer, something like that, um, and get you on my email list, which then I can send you to the website. But I'm not gonna like build a website in order to compete with the top three SERP results I'm not right. going to create a website to compete with Medium or Quora or Twitter. I'm just going to use it as my little like plot of land in this digital landscape. And it, like I invite you over whenever I talk to you via email. That's kind of my view of it all. I, I, I love that philosophy. It tends to take a lot of pressure off and you get the chance to leverage the communities that you're already in. Mm-hmm. So Quora, looking at, at that opportunity, you said maybe isn't the same today as what it was back then. So as far as what you're doing today in order to, to try and, you know, look at markets and, and interest of what mm -hmm. people are looking at, what do you do? To, what do you do now? Yeah. So I do think, so the value is still there when I say, if you want to practice this muscle of a figuring, I feel like there's this golden intersection um, of content of what's already popular, okay, in terms of topics, that you can find on, on Quora. 
Okay, you can still read the metrics of how popular different niches are, um, uh, certain questions that address a certain <clears throat> piece of content that you can create. Um, what's profitable? That I think you have to do more research and to see what content businesses are already um, viable. So I look at people like Justin Welsh and think I'm doing something different than him, but I'm doing something that's kind of in a similar lane. Mm -hmm. And I think, okay, so that area is profitable. Okay. He's built a $3 million business off of uh, what he's doing. And then like, if there's three kind of Venn diagrams put together, I say there's something I'm passionate about, something that I have to be interested in enough that has enough legs that I can write about for minimum 12 to 18 months. Okay. Um, I mean, really it's like minimum six months, but I like to think longer term in that because like, again, if you're looking at this, like what's the other option, you're, you're longer than a year. <laughs> All right. um, so, but Quora has become, since they, they introduced monetization, They've done these things where you can ask a question and get the question monetized. And they do things like what screenshot on planet earth um, deserves 50,000 likes and it will be, I don't know, <laughs> someone giving a dollar to a homeless person. But then you see in your feed, what's a screenshot that deserves 51,000 likes. Oh my like, gosh. Okay, they're just gaming the system now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's harder to find that like, you know, the markets, I guess, in terms of content. Right. Um, but what really kind of made this real for me is when I found, I found a link to Medium on Quora. And Medium, while a little bit is venturing into that world of gaming the system, um, they have content redistribution. So you pay $50 a year if you want to read unlimited content. And then read time is redistributed. They take everyone's $50 and redistribute it. And you can make money off your content if it's, you know, um, it's feeding that market. Right. Um, so I've, I moved over there for about three to four years. And uh, then I felt like, again, it started to turn into this echo chamber of like, here's how to make money on Medium. And I'm like, that, A, those, that's boring for me to write. So it doesn't fulfill that three or that three Venn diagram that I just... Listen, I don't want to write about how to make money on Medium. That's boring to me. Right. Um, but I went through that training of like, okay, now I take my content on Twitter and um, I know that that has the market viability. I know it's profitable and I know I can write about it. Um, and then next year it's going to be uh, linked in a little preview to, to things. So Nice. So as far as today, what you're doing in order to progress and make your skills better what are you doing so i felt like this year um was a huge kind of um level up for me is i was on medium for four ish years i'm still on the platform but um primarily on there for four ish years and what the conversation that's talked about um, is sort of narrow, um, the topics that people talk about. Like there's a lot of self-improvement. Um, there's a lot of like how to make money on Medium there. And like that stuff you can grasp and realize how to repurpose content. And, 
And then I felt like when I went into, again, in Q1 of this past year, went into LinkedIn and Twitter, I felt like I was stepping into the big leagues of like, I have this, this information. Um, I'm going to share it with an audience that wants it. But I'm also rubbing shoulders with people that are writing about tech. I'm rubbing shoulders that are people that are writing about um, athletic dominance. I'm, I'm, you know, rubbing shoulders right. with like this is kind of the big leagues is kind of how I viewed it. Um, so I thought that there was this this leveling up a in terms of how to construct the content so it can be delivered for people, um, again, in this wider world. And then a big thing that I'm doing to help like improve my skills is Medium doesn't have a social feature to it, like DMs, like even talking to these people who are from wildly different backgrounds. Um, like I feel like Medium's a lot of beginners, which is great. You wanna like a place to start writing online. But Twitter, it's like, I've talked to people that used to work on Wall Street. They created a seven-figure ad agency. They wanted to come to me to learn how to create content on Medium. And I'm like, I'm this guy from the <laughs> restaurant industry who is still shooting at the hip. Like, you really want to talk to me? <laughs> um, and I talked to a, an individual who was like, dude, why do you keep putting that label on yourself? He used to work for Deloitte. Um, he's this big-time consultant. And we got on a Zoom call and he's like, like, do you want your friends to hear you talking like this? Like that you're like less than all of us. You're a human being who's sharing some cool stuff online. I was gravitated towards it. I wanted to talk to you. Like stop talking about yourself like that. Um, so realizing that like I can hang with these big fish was a mm. huge learning moment for me in 2022. Um, that... I'm like excited to keep riding this wave and and take it into next year and and to further my you know career in this world. That's awesome. So much good stuff. So much. So if you were to try to pull out like three things that people could take away from this that they could do, you know, tomorrow or next week or whatever, what might you give them? So the first one um, and if you asked me like a year ago, I probably wouldn't have had this answer. But again, with what I've experienced this year on um, especially Twitter is if you're like me, and I know a lot of people because they have professional backgrounds or they, I was a terrible student, maybe not terrible, but I was a poor student right. in like my English classes um, because I just wouldn't, I don't know. Whatever, we don't need to get into it. I just wasn't that good. And I put this label on myself that I'm like not a great writer. <clears throat> and even today, I still get imposter syndrome sometimes when I publish things. And my biggest tip would be if you're starting off and you have, you second guess yourself a lot, you don't think that your writing's any good, reach out to people that you see are active on platforms and just introduce yourself and even share these pre-apprehensions that you have about this world that you're venturing into. Because I promise you, reciprocity is like a human law. A lot of these people will be like, oh my God, me too. And <laughs> you start to build this like board of advisors of like, hey, we're all in this together. Okay, we're figuring it out. 
oh, you just had this post that went off. What did you do? Like if you can reverse engineer it, that to me will A, help take away this, this idea of like, I'm alone. I've got to figure it out on my own um, is to network with these people. Cause at the end of the day, we're all human beings that just, you know, want to connect with people. Right. The second would be, I think, I think looking back again, I'm speaking to like me five years ago. Um, the person who's listening is emphasize output over outcome. And if you don't know your target niche, if you don't know um, who you want to speak to, you don't know what you want to write about, simply just write what's on your mind and commit to 30 days of, of publishing that stuff because blind spots will be revealed just the more you practice this muscle. And then I think the third would be Anywhere you see numbers, um, and this is, I guess, a little bit tricky, but anywhere you see numbers on platforms, like whether it's the um, impressions of a post you had, whether it's, like I kept saying with Quora, in terms of the amount of activity on a certain question, the amount of likes on someone that you look up to, um, in your niche or a content creator, whatever, think about ways that maybe you can patternize what's going on there. Mm. So um, if a content creator that you look up to had three different threads on Twitter that went live on um, decision-making or mental models, and let's say over the course of 60 days, they had three threads go live. And each of them had anywhere from 5,000 to 7,500 likes. Don't even look at any other metric but likes. Ask yourself, what are the common threads? No pun intended. But what are the common threads within these threads right. that could possibly have resulted in it going viral? Right. Try to is x-ray it, it. Yeah. Is it yeah. a list format? Is um, Hanlon's Razor, which is like a, a mental model. Does Hanlon's razor come up in all three of them? Yes or no? Like, I don't know what the answer is here, but like, right. it's a way of looking at the data um, and just coming up with hypotheses of perhaps why that resonated with an audience. Um, those would be kind of the three, the three things is output over outcome, network with people that like, you know, you feel like you can rise with together and just start to see numbers and try to find patterns within those numbers. That's awesome. That's so good. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm excited because I get to do some of this with you in the complete creator course. So I know I'm getting a lot out of that and being able to, to share what you've got to give there. So um, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. This was a, a great conversation. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Now, the worst thing we can do is let all this wisdom pass us by and not act on it. There's so much more to the show, but you'd be missing out if you don't subscribe to the newsletter. This is where you start to leverage these tactics that you've heard in the show in a very real way. So go to leverage3podcast.com and you can join right there on the homepage. Also, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter where I'm at Craig Shoemaker. I'd love to hear from you. I hope you have a great day. Find someone to love, find someone to forgive, and find someone to encourage today. 
Thanks again, and I'll see you here again soon on the Leverage 3 Podcast.